Hi, and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Ryan Coffey, who's a musical comedian and a good friend of mine. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Uh, this is um, this has been a very strange week. This is the week of the anniversary of my mum's death. That was yesterday. And it doesn't feel like a year, but it is. It's also the week where I've been applying for next year's festivals and so it's been a bit of a kick in the head in terms of looking forward and thinking about the future and uh, moving, moving, moving on to the next thing. Um, so I feel strange about it, but otherwise otherwise quite hopeful. Thank you everyone who's been emailing me on alicerfraser at gmail.com, hitting me up on Patreon, thank you very much, and everybody who says hello on Twitter. It's good to have support. It's good to have people who care about what I do and who listen to what I do. I really appreciate it. Anyway, uh, here is my conversation with Ryan Coffey. We had it in my flat in Melbourne. I hope you like it. This is Tea with Alice. hearted and yeah part of me doesn't know if I can actually do that I don't want to do that like the songs I write are always on a theme like it's always sort of love and relationships generally I don't have which is funny because that's the cliche what women talk about well women are always talking about their boyfriends oh, I'm constantly talking about my periods as well yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> But that's the sort of stuff that seems... Because you want to be able to do stuff that is all times. Like, you know, you don't want them to be too glued. Like if you were singing songs about Tony Abbott or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and then you're just like, oh, I can't do that anymore. You want something that sort of lasts forever. But also, you want it to be a reflection of where you're at and what you're doing. And like When I was travelling uh, in 2004 as a very young man... Um, I, I thought, you know, they'd say pictures take, a picture says a thousand words, and I thought rather than do, rather than take a picture, I'm just going to write a thousand words. Uh-huh. And so I wrote constantly, like all, all the time I was there, I didn't have a camera. And I ended up with this diary, which is this weird insight into the mind of 22 year old Ryan, which mm-hmm. is really fascinating to look at now. Yeah. I think that the stuff I'm creating now is going to be something that I'll look at in 10 years and go, oh, that guy. Uh, Yeah. Doing funny little riddle songs is, it's all right, but it's just a parlor trick. You know, you're good with words, you can put them together and they sound nice, but it doesn't really say anything. There's only so many times you can do that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, so you feel... (laughs) I mean, I like your songs. I think they're very good. And they're funny and clever, which is nice. Um, but you don't think that's enough? Or, I mean, you see what you're doing as something more than that? It isn't at the end of the day. But there's a difference between what you need to do in clubs and what you need to do in festivals, too. Like, what your, what your audience wants and what any audience wants. What do you think the distinction is? Um... People who, people in the clubs don't know what they're getting themselves into, at least 
and they just want to be entertained. They're just out there to have fun. They're not, yeah. And sometimes you'll get those people in your regular audiences as well, but you don't have an obligation to those people. You know, they're paying to see whatever it is you put on. Mm. So you can give them whatever the fuck you want. Um, but other people who go to see lineup shows in clubs are paying to be entertained and the show needs to be whatever the producers of the show put on. That makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I don't... If they book you, then maybe they're going to get whatever it is you do, but... Yeah, well, obviously, some it will be your version of whatever it is they want, at yeah. least. There's something about you that they want. Yeah. But I do I understand that. I, I, the distinction that I draw is that in a club, I'm there for the audience. Yeah. I'm there to please the audience. From yeah. Whatever, without... Um, Within my range of things that I do, mm. I'll do the things of that that I think they'll like. Yeah. And I'll adapt, I'll change my subject, I'll change my rhythm, I'll change almost anything to make them happy. Yeah. Um, it's good work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will try to make them like what I do or what I like because otherwise it's a boring job. Yeah. And then that, that's the game of how much of your stuff you can put in there and how much... How much of it flies with that audience. How much of it flies with that audience and then how much you have to kind of throw them a, throw them a bone, then take yeah, them on yeah. a journey, then throw them another bone. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if they're not liking something, I'll throw it out and try something else. Yeah. In my show, it's my show. Yeah. They're there to see the show yeah. and I will give them the show. Yeah. And bits of it change because the ground shifts with every audience is a different... Yeah, yeah. It's a balancing trick to make it look like your head's level. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of frantic paddling going on under the surface, and those are the adjustments that you make, but what you're trying to do is present that smooth surface, the, whatever it is that you've built, you want to show them. Yeah. And the challenge is showing them that thing that you've built, not changing it to fit them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what... That's the distinction I draw. Yeah, that's what I said, I think. I think it's what you said. I think I said it in more words and less well. <laughs> no, I was floundering. <laughs> that's all right. So how many nights have you gone without much sleep? Um, uh, most of them. I'm on... Most of them in life or most of them this week or... Yeah, <clears throat> most of them... Like, because I'm, I'm at work everywhere I can because I feel like, like I could be living off comedy at the moment, but it would be a shitty life. Mm. And <laughs> I don't want to do that. Mm. There's something about comedians that can't afford to buy themselves a beer because they're going, oh, I just do comedy. It's like, yeah, but what do you do for the other 23 hours a day? Mm. Nothing, go just work in a cafe and mm. <laughs> get yourself enough money to buy a beer. You'll enjoy it a lot more. Um, See, so yeah, I do that. Like I'm, I'm up early in the morning most of the time, and I've been working in cafes for so long now that I get up early anyway. Like I don't think I can really sleep past nine in the morning, even if I got to bed at four. It seems that way. It's just sort of being, it's time to go. It's stuff to do. I don't know where that comes from. I think it's getting old. You know, like when your parents would always be up. It's the best part of the morning. You know, no, it's what sleep. They do but, say that that's scientifically uh, backed up. Teenagers need more sleep and they yeah. need to sleep later and their body clocks tend to run that kind of late morning, late night yeah. thing. 
on like a, from an evolutionary standpoint, I'm sure it makes sense. Yeah. I like to look at things from an evolutionary standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, like I know you just need need this because that's sort of something I'm coming to terms with right now. Like I am now the age my dad was from my childhood memories. Ah, oh, not even the age <clears> that I'm the age my mum was when she had me. Yeah. So that's a that's a whole set of eggs. Yeah, I, I remember my dad being this age, and I look a lot like my dad. And I remember I was running down a beach in Byron a couple of years back and put my hand up to the sun to block out block it out, and I just saw the hand and I'm like, I know that hand, and it was my dad's. And I remember sitting at the table with him and playing with the skin on his knuckles and you know just being a kid sitting yeah. on his lap and. Yeah, that's one of the nice. I uh, I inherited my mum's hands yep. very much, uh, so I, I've also got her rings and stuff. But yeah, what that means is that every so occasionally I'll just see her ring on my hand yeah. and kind of get this kind of uh, shock to the system. I think is probably the the way to put it. I'll show you a picture. Um, it's always the best thing to do on a podcast is show, <laughs> show a picture. Do the rest in mine. Um, Play some charades. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a weird... Surreal feeling. It is. Well, it's nice, I think. It's a, it's a nice thing to know. But it's like I've inherited all the sort of things. Like, I didn't realise that it's just something about becoming at age like flatulence is just a thing like <laughs> I used to think my dad was deliberately being hilarious by farting all the time it's like no you just <laughs> get to a certain age and and you and you uh, yeah you step up the gas production and like blowing my nose has become a really important part of my life I don't know why <laughs> I don't know whether I'm producing more snot uh, or you're just what? less willing to let it run down your face. Well, no, uh, yeah. Also, you've got a moustache. I've got a moustache. Well, it's not like running, like just cleaning my nose in the morning in the shower, like blowing in the shower. I remember Dad used to sound like he was choking out a fur seal. It's just like that. <laughs> <It's just like laughs> yeah. Do you, so do you think about edging a lot? Um, does it worry you? Yeah, it does. Because I just find it... I find it difficult to get your head around how how quickly it's all happening and but how long it takes as well like it's that you know the years fly by but the days take forever you know that kind of that idea mm. um like if i want to get to that age like even like when i'm 64 in in the song uh, i've got to like double my life and this has taken my whole life to get to this point like it seems like a long time yeah, but it will seem feeling. like half as long to get there. Yeah, it's not going to take that long to really get there. But also, you think about what you do for a living and how long you can do that. Um, you know, I don't have superannuation. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. And do you want to be an old man doing this stuff? Mm. Comedy. Comedy mainly, yeah. Do you see comedy as an end in itself or as a means to an end, I guess, is the question. Comedy is... 
Kali is just like a, an imperative. It's just you're compelled to do it. Like, yeah, all the kind of creative stuff is just, it's nice that I can make money out of it, but it's, I sort of stopped my life to start doing it because I'm like, I'm always going to regret if I don't do this. Mm. I've got to do it. Um, and now I'm just doing it. I was doing, you know, other stuff that was probably more morally and ethically less dubious. Because <laughs> that's the main concern is that, you know, just because people will pay to hear what you've got to, what you've thought about. Here's mm. some stuff I thought of. Mm. Um, just because people are willing to pay to hear it doesn't mean you should. Like, it's such an entitled thing to do. And even if you're good at it and people like listening to you do stuff, it's sort of still, is this the best use of all of my resources? If I am an able-bodied, fairly intelligent um, person, could I be using it for something other than dick jokes? Yes. <laughs> well, it depends, I think, partly on whether what you do is dick jokes. Yeah, some of it is. Some of it some is. Some of it just is. It's me talking about my penis. Yeah. And that's fine. Because <laughs> within the context of that job, it's exactly what it requires, but... I don't know. I don't talk about my penis that much. No. <laughs> There's room for it. You can certainly crack out another ten minutes there. But, um, yeah. So you... What were you doing before you? I was working in an Aboriginal community in the Northern Territory. Ah. I was there for uh, a couple of years, um, on and off. <clears throat> but yeah, you think it's going to absolve you of your middle-class white male guilt, but it doesn't, it just makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, because the thing about working in those kind of communities is everyone's very aware of the relationship that uh, you know, we whiteies have with uh, the indigenous population and they know they know that people just come and do something and then they go again. There's a, in where I was living in Managrita, there's a, a, a local slur for white people um, that translated roughly to tissue because they're white and you take one and you use it and you throw it away and there's always another one waiting ready to go. Um, that's just how, it's just how the, the system works. Yeah. And the thing is when you're in the community and it takes you a long time to build up relationships and gain trust and people sort of realise that you're not going to just run away and that you're there to do a job and they work out what that job is and they realise that you're something that they can use as a resource in their community um, and then eventually you go, oh, I've got to go back and do my life because uh, this isn't, I can't do this forever. And the, like the more time you spend there and the bigger, the bigger, the more good you're doing, the bigger hole you're leaving when you go. Mm. And then someone else has to come in and start from scratch and do and the whole thing all over again. Because you stayed for longer and so you built up more. Yeah, trust. possibly. I don't know, it might be better. But but they've got to start from scratch again. And that, that whatever resource that you were providing in the community is is just back at square one. Mm. And the whole thing remains at the kind of crappy level that it is. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I did a, a little bit in university of couple of years of, of 
what was called Students in Free Enterprise, which right. was helping helping people that wanted to start businesses start businesses. Right. And specifically in remote Aboriginal communities, seeing what resources they could use um, of ours. And it's a nasty mess. It's a horrible nasty mess. Because, you know, uh, you can't fix other people's lives no. without taking their power away from them. Yeah. And, and equally, you can't leave people suffering. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Some, some part of me wants to do the kind of... Like, my granny was a real um, helper of people one-on-one. Yep. She was a Holocaust survivor and she would just be driving down the street and see a miserable-looking person and be like, get in my car and take them home. <laughs> I think it's called and, kidnapping. So. <laughs> and, and take them home and feed them and give them a place to stay or, you know, whatever it was. She'd sure. pick up stray dogs or she'd, yeah. she'd, you know... And part of me feels like that's the way to do it, mm. <laughs> person by person. And then... Yeah. You know, other parts of me think, well, I should just sit down and do the maths on what the best dollar impact that I can have is. Right. To be honest, it was probably staying as a lawyer and giving half my money to charity. Yeah. That would have been a better use of my time. Yeah. For the five years it took me before I killed myself, I probably would have... <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have made a nice uh, impact on the world. Yeah. You know... <laughs> oh man but yeah I don't know if it is and then you have people come up to you after the show and, and they say that you've made a real impact on their life or yeah. whatever I don't know how true that is but yeah yeah like yeah like just comparing your work to my work like that you're talking about something that um, people do need to deal with. Like everyone has death in their life and everyone grieves and everyone, you know, you know that process and sharing that process is, um, is on some point therapeutic for an audience. Like, I don't know that what I'm doing is like that. <laughs> I don't know if it would ever have the same sort of therapeutic benefit. I don't know, I think more people have breakups than they have deaths. Yeah, sure they do. Statistically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes at the same time, but yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's one of those it's not my aim to be, you know, I don't think I'm healing the world by talking about what I'm talking about. Mm. But I I feel like my this is this is why I feel so um, self-conscious about it because it's just an arrogance that what I think isn't I'm not hearing what I think out in the world so I feel like I need to go and put it out there because I can't be the only person that thinks it so, yeah so hopefully but what I'm thinking about is not particularly life-changing or important to anyone except for the few of us that think it I don't know yeah there is something to that I'm not alone though yeah got a really 
I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago on this podcast with a, a friend called Greg Dickens, who's a, yep. an inventor. And I was talking about the way that you can feel really small in the world. And mm -hmm. particularly if you're a bit depressed, your sense of your own smallness uh, is like, it's like a Hitchcock zoom. You, it takes mm. over your entire field of vision. Your yeah. smallness in the universe becomes the biggest thing in your world, your, your awareness of that. But he said, um, those sliders go both ways, right? If you're comparing yourself to the vastness of the infinite universe, you've also got to compare yourself to the smallness of the molecular universe. Right. And in that way, you know, the impact that you have on, on people around you as well, the, the way that you think about the world around you and the impact that you're having can't just be, oh, I'm not... Bill Gates. No, but I don't think Bill Gates is a. Uh, he's he's a, he's allowed to be generous because he's he was a horrible man who made a lot of money. Like, <laughs> I I uh, <laughs> I. You, you get to be one of the richest men in the world and you don't give it away, then you're a prick. Like true. everyone's just looking at you going, "Come on, like I billions." I had a uh, conversation once with. Uh, Melinda Gates because a friend of mine was on the Gates scholarship when we were right. at university and we went to like a special uh, brunch thing and I was her plus one yep. um, and she said personally from our direct efforts as the Gates Foundation in a measurable way we have saved the lives of four million children yep. I believe that and I was like you are a saint. Like, yeah. you... In the history of the world, there wouldn't be a lot of people who had directly saved the lives of four million children. No. I think you get to be, like... I don't know. Maybe maybe his... Whatever dubious business decisions he's made are justified in light of that. Right. I don't know if they are, but maybe they are. <laughs> it, might, it might be. It might be enough. I don't... I don't tend to think of the world in that way, in a maths way. Like, I think everything that you do wrong, you do wrong, and everything you do right, you do right, and they don't cancel each other out at yeah, all. Yeah, sure. At all. No, they don't. Um, but, like, on a on mass quantity of bad shit that he's done in the world versus mass quantity of good shit, ah, back to man. It's hard. You can't argue with anyone doing that much good. You're like, yeah, cool, do the good. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you don't. Yeah, he's also got more money than he needs. Yeah. Than any person needs. And so it's his responsibility to do something with it. Like, and it's, yeah. That, that decision is, I, I don't know. I would, I would suggest that, you, you know, you have to make that decision, but... A lot of people don't, obviously. No, no, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. don't. Like, you look at almost all of the Middle East, uh, the wealthy part, yep. and they are, you know, not necessarily doing that. They don't care. They're just hoarding. They're just buying gold-plated gold plates you know? <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to use to put their pot plants in. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. 
would you do something else after you finish comedy? Do you think you'll finish comedy or do you think you'll just integrate something else into it? I don't know. Um, I don't have a lot of other life skills. Like, just <laughs> being charming into a microphone is kind of all I got. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably work in a call centre, I suppose. That would be... <laughs> I'd be good at it. I'd be really good at it. Yeah, but it'd be a waste of your pretty face. Yeah. Oh, well, it'll all be video conferencing in the future. <laughs> I'm going to shut this door. Alrighty. These blinds are thinking. Grab some water. I assume you do. Uh, no life skills. Yeah. So? So, what happens? So what happens next? I don't know. Scenario. What's the worst case scenario? Mm. For you. Um, there isn't one. Like, it's, I'm extremely safe. Yeah. Like, the worst case scenario would be that I get hit by a car and end up in the wheelchair and someone else has to end it, make all my decisions for me. That would be the worst case scenario. And what's the best case scenario? Uh, the best case would be, it just goes all right and I get a bit lucky and something along the line makes a reasonable amount of money. That I can structure my future comfortably with. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's obviously not the best case scenario. Like, you win the lotto and you go get a jet ski like that. If you, <laughs> if you won the lotto, yeah. would you keep doing stand up? Definitely. It would be a lot easier to do stand up if I won the lotto. Yeah. Because it wouldn't matter what, you don't have to worry about. The logistics of it all. You just do the thing you want to do. Yeah. So many of the gigs that you get are sort of the ones you don't necessarily want to do, to begin mm. with at least. Yeah. You get the good gigs off the back of the bad gigs. If you didn't need to do the bad gigs... What are you calling a bad gig? Just some horrible thing far out in the middle of nowhere minimal audience bad sound bad lighting see that sort of stuff I'd still do because because I love the art form mm -hmm. and I love the people like 
I like audiences and I like I like comedians and I like experiences. Mm-hmm. Stuff like the bad gigs for me is like shitty corporate things, mm-hmm. and they pay great, but that's the only reason I'm doing them. Like just where you're, they're just throwing you at an audience because it's something. Hey, look at this. Yeah, we put on a show. There it is. That's it. You don't care yeah, about it. Yeah, this is a small consolation for the fact that you yeah. don't have a life we're making We're making you all sit in here and you're going to watch this whether you want to or not. You didn't come to see a comedy show. You came because you had to. It's your job. Mm. Now watch this. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? All right, mm. let's move on. Like, fuck that. that. Back into your cages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, back under the fluorescent lights. I'm going to whip you some more. Um, yeah, that stuff I, I can live without. Mm. But, um, yeah, shitty gigs, like little crappy ones, and they're fun. They're so fun. Country towns, like the travel has been the best part, I think, of doing comedy, being able to travel around and having, it's like having a job in every city, you know, like I can work anywhere that speaks English well enough to understand what I'm doing. Yeah. But, and even places that don't usually have expat communities. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. Like obviously there's more to it than like organising gigs internationally and all that sort of stuff. But, but if you were a, a doctor or a lawyer, mm. you can't just rock up to any hospital and go, hey guys, I'm here to work. I'm here to, I'm here to, here to do some medicine. Uh, which is funny. Where do you want me to start? I like, think uh, particularly with doctors, they should be able to do that because bodies are bodies wherever you are. Yeah, true. But you know, they can't. You can't just rock up. You've got to ask. You've got to make some calls. You, you know, you probably can get a job and you probably can get a visa. No, you can't. You have yeah. to do massive bridging courses. Really? I had a, yeah, there was a German doctor who used to live next door to us. I used to babysit for their kids. Um, and she'd come over from Germany, fully qualified doctor. You know, it takes so long to become a doctor. Yeah. And she had to do, I think, a three-year course. Just to be an Australian doctor. To qualify doctor. as an Australian doctor. She'd already been working as a doctor for years, studied for 11 years or whatever, and just that. That's stupid. It was extremely stupid. <laughs> she was a doctor. Like, she... I don't, I don't understand. And then you see these engineers and, like... Every third taxi driver you, you has meet a has a yeah. master's in mechatronic engineering, <laughs> you know? They just can't... Can't get work. That's a trend. Well, they can get work as a taxi driver. Yeah. Maybe that's what you should do. Maybe that's what I'll do. Go overseas and work as a taxi driver and pretend you have a degree in mechatronic engineering. <laughs> yeah. Turn around. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't have any other plans. You don't have any other plans. You don't think about it. I don't know. Planning in this industry is so difficult. Mm. Like, you don't know what is coming. You don't know when you're getting paid next, most of the time, from week to week, and you don't know what amounts of money are coming in. I've never had a like a five year plan or anything. I, well, actually, once I had a five year plan, I I started I did I entered into raw comedy when I started doing it, 
and that went well. And I'm like, cool, I'll give it five years, see where we're at in five years. And if it looks like I'm just being um, some privileged kid, just asking for attention, then I'll get out because I don't want to be that guy. And the five years came up two years ago. And they're like, oh, it's working. People are paying for it. I'll keep doing it for a bit. So now I'm sort of looking at 10 years. 10 years plan. And sort of work out what it's looking like. That's coming around quick, like, got another three years until that, so. Yeah. Yeah, every future span of time takes half as long as the last, mm. I think. I'm a, a time theorist. Mm. <laughs> you know, but like your age, from age zero to age 10, took at least twice as long as age 10 to age 20. Yeah. That's my theory. Zero to 20 will take twice as long as 20 to 40. Yeah. And then you'll be dead. At 40? No. But it'll, it'll, it, 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 it's, like a, oh, no. it's like a reversal of Zeno's paradox where you just keep halving the time things take. Yeah. You, you approach the speed of light and then, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you disappear. Maybe that's what, that's maybe right. that's what happens. <laughs> Subjectively. Yeah. Subjectively, maybe that's why old people move why they leave their bodies yeah <laughs> they're just subjectively experiencing things so much so much quicker it's such a speed they actually launch into the universe <laughs> <laughs> I understand there's flaws in my theory but there's flaws in every theory mm. there are so, yeah what are you going to do with the rest of your day Ryan Coffee? um I've got to go I'm going to go host a schnitz and tits night. I beg your pardon? Yeah, I know. Speaking of morally <laughs> dubious... Um, guy. Um, sorry. It's the tits calling. It's the, <laughs> the, the time waits for no tits. Um, yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a, a night of um, fun and games and um, a bit of cheeky fun. Like, it's burlesque level stripping stuff, pasties and panties and... Are you going to show your tits? I, I probably won't get my tits out. I'd be happy to, but I don't think that's what the people are paying for. No, your job is to... My job is to, to just introduce everything and be a, a fun guy. Yeah, and make it okay for the audience to be there because it's an incredibly weird and awkward thing to do for humans. It is an awkward thing, yeah. So you're there to make it all right. I'm there to make it all right. I have problems with it. I'm not 100% comfortable, but I'm also not uncomfortable. Like, I don't have a problem with girls taking their clothes off. But I do have a problem... Watching men, watching girls take their clothes off. Because mm -hmm. I don't... I don't... You can't control what people are thinking, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that sort of... Yeah, <clears throat> I get that. We have the, the 
comedian who's of a race making fun of their race. Exactly. You're not sure whether the people laughing are laughing with him or at yeah. him. Yeah, it's exactly exactly what I um, I said. It, yeah, Ronnie Chang used to do jokes when he started out um, about being an Asian and having a massive dick. Um, and I remember one guy just laughing with such venom. And like um, this, that joke's not for you're not enjoying it the way it's supposed to be enjoyed. No, it was a very clever joke, and he was you know it was early days for him, um, but it, you could just sense that he was taking that opportunity to just reinforce everything that he thought that was horrible and you know racist in the world. And I'm like that's exact. That's not what it's supposed to be, and but you can't control it. Like you can. You've got to use your words in Precisely. a way that's just yeah. right so that. You don't give people the room to move. But then everything's going to be interpreted differently by different audiences. And so with interpreting tits... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, it's there's, there's a lot of room in our culture power. to interpret the tits wrongly. Yeah. To take the tits the wrong way. And we're, we're offering, like, tits. This is what... That's, that's, our, that's our product. Yeah, and it is... Only ironic <laughs> until you think about it too much. Yeah. 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 You can only, yeah, it's one of those things where you're not even sure yourself how much you're enjoying it in the spirit in which it should be enjoyed. Yeah. I find that too with, with stuff about... about um, Womaning, womaning, being being a woman, doing the, doing the, <laughs> womaning, womaning. Doing, Can't talk now. I'm womaning. Yeah. <laughs> Do, doing the womaning, um, where you uh, feel you know fulfilled and happy f- for doing something, uh, and you're not sure how much of that is is the right way to feel. You know, mm. somebody you feel pretty one day, and someone takes you out and gives you a compliment, mm. and you feel good. Yeah. And then you're like, well. Is that what I want in life? <laughs> Generally, like mm. it's that kind of immediate thrill for the long term, not so thrill of, of spending every other day not being told. Does, does no? <laughs> does, does accepting this compliment mean that you see me as less of a person, right. or do, you know? Part of me feels like you know, you know, trophy wives. Yes. I think if you want to be a trophy wife, you should be allowed, but then you don't get to vote. <laughs> you know, like you can choose which co- which way you want to go on on the power dynamics thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that's probably a controversial opinion, and I haven't thought it through in time. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's a nice little nugget. But you so get that you get these 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 ladies who are just like oh, I just want a man who's going to look after me, and I don't think that's a wrong urge. No, I just think I want someone to just fucking look after me. Like, yeah, everyone not, wants that. That's it's just. Because we had parents that used to do it, and it was easy, and it was fun. Yeah. And then we grew out of it, and then we're like, oh, fuck, that was good, though. You remember when we didn't have bills? Like, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. And we just got to play with sticks in the backyard. It was fun. Yeah. And you want to do that again, but it's never coming back. <laughs> but, I mean, for some people it does. Some people, that's their world, and that's the world they exist in. And But I just think if maybe if you're abdicating your responsibilities to the world right then, yeah. then you should well, also yeah. abdicate your rights yeah you're going if you're going to go into this 
the state of reclaimed childhood where someone else takes care of everything, mm. then yeah, okay, um, yeah, story checks it out, well done. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that, that completely uh, spur of the moment random thing came out in a way that's logically consistent on closer examination. Well done, brain. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally I'll just say things and then I'll walk through them and think I cannot back okay, that up no, at not, all. No, no, I don't, I don't believe that in any <laughs> way. <laughs> I just said it. I don't know why I said it. I, I don't know. I think that's why you should, if anyone says things on stage in the, in the spur of usually being heckled, yeah. I reckon they should get at least 25% pass on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're on fight, fight or flight mode. Yeah. You know, that Ray Badran thing where someone heckled him and he told her to fuck off and die. Like, eh, eh. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> He's not the man. He's not oppressing the woman. It was just, you know, a man on stage who got put up against a wall saying whatever he thought would get a laugh and yeah. diffuse the tension. Yeah. That's part of the job. It is. That whole Billy Brownless thing. Why don't you ex- explain that one? Billy Brownless is a, a footballer who now is on um, the football show uh, that is on television. Uh, I saw him recently in real life, he was, they were filming where I was, happened to be, and he was dressed as a woman, because that's hilarious. Um, anyway, he was hosting a, <laughs> 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 it's just what boys do, they play football and dress up as girls, and it's great. Um, and he was hosting a, a, a function at some place, and a woman and her daughter, uh, her daughter was probably, I think she was 16, sort of walking across the front of stage and he just went oh look here come the strippers uh-huh. and everyone laughed and, and she was mortified and told every newspaper in town that she was mortified and you know made a big deal out of it and got <sighs> in trouble and first of all he's just a footballer like he's <laughs> Why he had a microphone in the first place, no one knows. Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's being paid to host this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I think what we need to examine about our society is why we think that people who play football are, uh, ought to be respected as civil personalities. Or just as a personality. Like, obviously, there's something about that blokey bullshit that appeals to audiences. Like... Mm. Far more people are going to the MCG tomorrow than uh, the entire Fringe Festival. Mm. Like, yeah, okay, I, <laughs> I, I figured out. I figured out the thing where when people say, "I can't believe that footballer said that thing mm. or did that thing," he's a role model. Mm. The problem is not with the footballer. The problem is with the society that made this dude a role model. He's like yeah. a 23-year-old guy with a neck that's thicker than his head. Mm. He's good at running fast and hitting things with his head. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. How, how is it his fault that we've turned his job into... Something to be idolised. Something to be idolised. That's, that's our problem that we've made him into a, into a role model. Not yeah. his. Yeah. I mean, it's his problem because we made it his problem. Yeah. But 
Maybe that's what you should do when you get out of comedy. Stop playing football. No, with your charming, <laughs> with no your your, your charming uh, man face, you should go and start an etiquette school for sportsmen. Right. So when they become, when they get like into whatever it is, the national team, they do their days training, and then they come to you and you teach them how not to call women strippers. But it's <laughs> that um, they get that kind of training. They get media training. All of them. They're they're all over it. But it just takes that one second where they go, oh, I'm on stage, there's some girls walking past being strippers. Mm. That's, that happens in an instant. Mm. And I'm sure he's probably done that joke a billion times before at a billion identical functions. Mm. And it always gets the same laugh, but it, one person goes, I'm going to tell everyone that this happened mm. because it's a bloody outrage. And now they've got... <laughs> There's a new ban at the footy show about not um, doing sexist jokes. And I'm like, what? You were, you were doing them in the first, like, <laughs> here's a list of types of jokes we can do. Now. We've, we've lost racism a while back. It just doesn't fly anymore. But this sexism, it doesn't seem, we think we're getting away with it. Like, oh, no, we're going to have to cross that one out too. Billy's ruined it. It's 80% of our remaining yeah. material. <laughs> I don't understand. No. I didn't even know that it was supposed to be. Well, I guess it's comedy. It doesn't it doesn't seem like comedy. It's supposed to just be football discussion, isn't it? I don't know. So trying to fill it with all these sketches and bullshit. And... I don't really understand sports, but I understand that it fills a need for like an epic ongoing storyline in people's lives, and they mm. sublimate their normal aggression into that, and that's probably good. Yeah. Probably good that they're shouting at strangers across a field rather than punching their dog. You know. <laughs> because those are the only two options. I think it's binary like that. I think, <laughs> I think it's going to come out somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it's probably better that it, that it come out there. Mm. That they can feel, you know, whoever it is watching the team can feel, you know, invested and manly and they don't have to actually go to battle yeah. in any way. They can just outsource their battle instinct to 15 borderline teenagers. Yeah. Uh, I don't, is 15 the number of people on the team? It's really irrelevant. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, no. There's probably more. Probably more. Depends on the code. I don't know. I, I did have some footballers come to a show once and cry, so yeah. that's good. Are they people? They are. Are they? Yes. Right, like I, I, I worry about those people, you know. I worry about football. You know, you talk about uh, sitting in a, in a cafe and a football team were there and, you know, identifiably a football team. Mm. And I'm like, they're like younger than me and they've already peaked. Like this is as good as their life gets. They're out, you know, they're having a good time. They've got a great job pays really well and everyone thinks they're great and in a week and one of them will get on the footy show and one of them will write a book yeah and the rest of them we're just gonna just one of them rest of them are gonna hurt their knee next week and never play again that's tragic Mm. poor guys yeah I mean, I don't have a five-year plan, <laughs> but at least I can just keep doing this sort of stuff 
forever. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. The tragedy of the modern world. Yeah, it is. That's that's the tragedy of the modern world. Is that footballers aren't going to have very nice lives. <laughs> there are wars. There are. Yeah. All the time. Constantly. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Where can people find you online? Um, uh, YouTube, Twitter. Type my name in, I'll come up. I think I'm the Coffee most famous. Spelled. C O W F E Y. Mm -hmm. Not like the drink. Not like the drink. Or like the throat irritation. I'm a bit coffee. No, that is wrong. <laughs> I'm saying it's not like that. It's not like that at all, no. No. Like, like the harbour? I don't think people are going to type any of these things in. They will. Considering it'll, like, my name will be in the name of this podcast, won't Yes. Yeah, I'll so spell they'll probably it. just look at that. Yeah, they're allowed to. Yeah, they'll have to if they want to listen to this. Yeah. I'll let, they'll need to click on that first. Yeah. So and they'll already know you who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put a link to your Twitter profile. Oh, that's nice. In the thing, so people can say hello to you if they like. Um, yeah. 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 Thank you. No worries. Uh, you it's are having. Me.